Person of Interest podcast, episode number eight. It's all about the relationships. You are being watched. An artificial intelligence, a machine protected by government agencies and deadly assassins, is spying on you every hour of every day. We designed this podcast as a means to share information that will aid in discovering and exploiting anything related to bringing down those who will use the machine to harm and exploit others. If you're listening to this podcast, your number has come up and you're part of our team. Well, come back. Greetings. Welcome to Person of Interest Podcast. I'm Daryl. And believe it or not, Doug, I was always the quiet kid in the back of the room. And now you can't stop him from talking. I know. And I'm Doug, and I have a superhero complex. (laughs) Okay, maybe not. We are so glad to have you with us anyway. We are covering Person of Interest, Season 4, Episode 8 which originally aired November 18th, 2014, entitled Point of Origin. Now, Daryl, I wasn't quite sure what that meant. Well, Doug, I was going to ask you. My my first thought was, hey, they're at the police academy. That is the point of origin for police officers. But then... That didn't really have a significant enough, in my in my mind, that wasn't a significant enough part of the episode to really garner the episode title. So, I don't know. Maybe we'll have to think about it as we as we talk through it. Well, and maybe it'll become clear as as things progress. I mean, this was the episode where Dominique got the information on the flash drive, and maybe it's a, a turning point for him, perhaps. But I don't know, man. Well, here's the point of origin for you, goldenspiralmedia.com slash POI. That's where you can find us. And you can buy the Person of Interest DVDs at Amazon or anything, actually, from Amazon. And a portion of the purchase price goes to support the podcast. Lots of peas in there. And But see, you don't even pay any more money. It's great. It's fantastic. It's a wonderful little thing. And another fancy little URL, if you can remember this, to subscribe in iTunes to any any Golden Spiral Media podcast, go to goldenspiralmedia.com slash iTunes and poof, it will show up in your iTunes thing there and it will just show you all those wonderful GSM podcasts. It's a classic. It is wonderful. Lots of exciting stuff happening over there. Daryl, you did a great job putting that together. Oh, thanks. I look forward to adding more podcasts to it in the future. For sure. Uh, if you also want to support this podcast, Doug mentioned the Amazon link. You can become a Patreon supporter of Golden Spiral Media and support what we do here by going to goldenspiralmedia.com slash Patreon. And depending on your Patreonage, you could uh, get hooked up with some really cool spiffy things. So uh, go check it out. Goldenspiralmedia.com slash Patreon. Now, Doug, we're talking about Season 4, Episode 8. and before we get into it, I I want to throw out something to you and ask you, uh, with the setup that we got here at the end of this episode, it looks like next episode is going to be monumental. It's the full finale, isn't it? Well, that's my question. I, as far as I can tell, there's next week, and of course, Tuesday, it's Thanksgiving week, but there will be a new episode on the Tuesday. 
Um, I don't see anything after that. But last year, they they took off for Thanksgiving. I think they took off a week or two maybe. Came back for one week in December and then took off again. They did something real weird. So I would rather them like next week be the fall finale and then come back in January than come back for one week in December. What about you? What would you rather th- see them do? Um, yeah, I guess one week in December would be nice to kind of keep things going. I think people would tend to miss that one. Yeah, uh, exactly. It's in the middle of December. Yeah. So maybe just, uh, maybe just go and, uh, for the, you know, make that the fall finale and let it rip. Now, uh, I'm looking at, uh, the TBDB, TV database there, mm-hmm, yep. and they don't have any dates beyond next week's. Uh, they have episode titles on, on down. So, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna get to this when we talk about the, what's coming up next week, mm-hmm. because the name of the episode <sighs> tends to make me wonder if we've gonna, we, we got some really big things happening. So, yeah. we'll, but we will get to that. Those episode titles, I saw that whole list earlier today and I was like, oh, that's a, oh, look at that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. And th- there's some, some, I think, if we're talking episode title callbacks, there is a callback to a previous uh, season's episode that had uh, a very, a very big change in the cast, and uh, so so we'll, we'll but we will get to that. Yes, Absolutely. yes. So let's get back on track, I guess, to this week's episode, Point of Origin, that was written by Tony Camerino and directed by Richard J. Lewis. So, how did their episode fare this week, Doug? Well, actually, it did pretty good. We went back. We had a series low last week of 1.3. This week, we're back up to 1.6, which is kind of where we've been bouncing around uh, in the past there. Uh, so 1.6 for the 10 o'clock hour, 9.68 million viewers, which was the, the number of viewers was about in fourth place. Uh, the rating was a tie for fifth. So they're still lining up. Like, But again, you still have a lot of these... Uh, uh, ratings where a lot of the younger crowd is watching and you get a higher rating even mm-hmm. though you have lower viewers. So anyway, uh, it did very well. I mean, the voice, NCIS and, uh, NCIS New Orleans are, you know, usually the huge, I mean, 10 million for the voice, 17 million for NCIS, uh, and 16.7 for, you know, NCIS New Orleans. So, you know, so it's a really big guys at the top there. But like I said, we are, um, we come in fourth beyond, behind those three guys. Uh, so that's good. You know what disappoints me, Doug, is the the way the ratings have gone down compared to where it was last season at this time or two seasons ago. You mm-hmm. look at guys like NCIS, NCIS New Orleans, NCIS LA, and you know those are not my my type of shows. You know why they're not my type of show? Not to say they're a bad show. They're not my type of show because. I could have never watched an episode of NCIS, which has been on for 15 years, it seems like, (laughs) and I could tune in tomorrow or whenever it comes on and it's fine. And that that's what makes these shows successful in a lot of ways because there's no barrier of entry, but they're also not what, what lights my fire when it comes to a television show. My wife and I were talking at lunch today. She said, yeah, did you see the thing that showed the shows that have been canceled? And I said, no, I hadn't seen, I didn't know there was a complete list that anybody had put out. I'd seen, you know, shows here or there. She said, yeah, I guess this is the final season of Person of Interest. And I'm like, what? what? So 
I think it was a false alarm. She she said, maybe I was confused. Maybe it was shows it had been renewed. Well, that's not the case either. So I'm not sure what she thinks that she saw. I did some digging to see if I could find said article or any article that said that this was the final season of Person of Interest. And according to TV by the numbers and, and the TV guide, it's it's up in the air. It hasn't been decided, although TV by the numbers had it for a very good possibility of getting the season five. So that was good. Uh, but my, my point I'm circling back around to is I was sitting there going as she before I had done that research thinking, come on, what is it? You know, I don't care about NCIS and all of those shows. And, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's, that's the tragedy that we live in, too, is that, is that people, the majority of folks would rather watch a show where there's not necessarily any commitment uh, because man if you if you get behind on person of interest then it's at a point now where it's not just number of the week it really is serialized now and if you get behind then you're going to get behind and that means that viewers drop as things happen in their lives where they missed an episode or two and that's that's kind of the shame of it but that's i guess i'm getting used to it even though i don't like it but that's that's what happens with all these shows that i like well, the idea of a continuing storyline, a myth arc, as uh, Doc H has often put it, is you know something relatively new. I mean, Lost really popularized mm-hmm. it. I know back in the day, Babylon 5, the idea, he had a five-year plan for the show, and he had mapped out the history of the show a thousand years in the past and a thousand years in the future, and he had this five-year arc that he wanted to tell and so it you know things in season two talk you know were, were setups for things in season four and that was a new thing back then but it wasn't nearly as popular lost on the other hand was very popular and uh, was able to really popularize that form of storytelling on tv as opposed to the s- strictly episodic you know uh you know one week to the next nothing's changed mm-hmm. you know every, at the or at the end of every episode there's some reset button hit and we're just back to where we were at the beginning. So, you know, I remember watching Star Trek, the next generation, even the old Star Trek. I mean, they're all the same. The old TV shows, you know, Perry Mason, Dragnet, you know, everything was just episodic. And now we're doing the arc. But the problem with the arc, like you said, if you miss it, it's like picking up the book in the middle. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. And, you know, I love a lot of those shows. Star Trek, Next Generation, big fan of that show. And and so, but there, and and Lost is what did it for me. When I got to Lost, that, that just made me fall in love with, with serialized television and uh, but anyway don't want to spend too much time on it but i am disappointed to see the ratings in general have gone down although it was great to see they went back up a little bit this week even in canada i think right yeah lawrence griffin our canadian correspondent in quebec uh posted on the facebook page that uh, said poi still doing well in canada finished number 15 of the list of 30 most watch shows in canada that was pretenders at the time, it was viewed by 1.9 million viewers, so that's uh, that's good to hear. We're keeping. I think we've been kind of in the mid-teens uh, all along here, so that's a that's a good sign. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, let's keep with the ratings theme. What was the Doug DeHond rating for this week? <laughs> uh I gave it nine heated whirlpool. If I could say it, that would be even great too. Let me get the dogs got my tongue. Nine heated whirlpools. I, I like what you I'm did there. I'm assuming that pool was heated. It, ha- it really ought to be. It should be, especially this time of year in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, I gave it nine Maybelline samples. I, I started now, to rate this a I, 10. I, I, I was going to say, you. I, I saw your notes on it the night of, and you had 10 there. I, I did, and the reason <laughs> I, I rated it down 
You can chastise me if you want. Was that by rating it a 10, I'm saying this is as good as it gets. And I'm pretty sure based on what we got this week, teasing next week, that next week's is going to be better. So I had to leave some room for next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's always so hard when they do really do these mid-season finales because uh-huh. they can really knock your socks off uh, on those things. And they have done so in the past. They have shown it can happen. They uh, The season finale... Last year, Deus Ex Machina. Wow. Yeah. And and then of course there was that mid season thing with uh, the three kind of the three episode mini arc mm-hmm. uh, that had the uh, the death of uh, Carter in it. So you know, yeah, big big stuff here. Definitely, yeah, great stuff. We have the POI this week by the name of Silva is what we'll call well, her. Actually, I wanted to deal with some old business first. Oh, here. you did. Oh, well. Doc H. We screwed up last week. I don't know what we were thinking. But you remember Doc H had this feedback about he was on a forum and some people were suggesting things that different characters in the show could uh, could sell on TV, you know, and, you know, as a as a as a sponsor for it, you know, mm-hmm. and, and so they had John Reese for hover round wheelchair, and I think you and I were like, hmm, don't quite get that one. Well, I don't know how we missed this. Uh, but Doc H says, really? I thought that would have been the easiest and the funniest since he has put scores or hundreds possibly of folks in wheelchairs since the show began with the kneecapping. Oh, for crying out loud, of course. <laughs> Thank you very much, Doc. You get one of those. Yeah, I tell you, honestly, Doug and Doc, it does me no good now. But I, the next day I was editing the podcast before we published it. <laughs> we got to that point and I'm going, huh. I wonder if that's because of all the people he's kneecapped. And then sure enough, he sent that in. I'm like, well, I can't redeem myself now. I, I, you're right. We didn't get it at the time that it mattered. So thank you, Doc, Doc for clarifying. Splice it right in. You were honest. You splice it right in saying, oh, yes, I know what you mean. Yeah, yes. well, maybe <laughs> I could have. I could have recorded something and tried to splice it in <laughs> as if I knew. But nah, nah didn't, I didn't get it when it counted. All right, is that the, all the old business? I didn't. That's mean to... all the old business. Uh, do we have a motion to move on to new business? Um, yes, I'll second that motion. Motion carried. Thank all you. right, let's move on to point of origin. The POI this week was, and I was going to, you know, abbreviate this one because we do person of interest. We abbreviate it all over the place as POI, right? And so, I, a couple of times, I started to abbreviate this one, point of origin. It was like. P-O-O, and it came out as poo, and I'm like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to poo in this show. So it's a point of origin. The person of interest, the P-O-I, was Silva, and I made a note of this because you and I have, I think, because for me, I'll only speak for myself, I never can remember her name, so we kind of teased that she was like the Terminator lady, and so we've just called her Terminator lady, but Terminator lady does have a name, although I, I will probably continue to call her Terminator lady but we're going to call her by her real name probably at a few points as well, which is Martine. So Martine, Martine is her real name. Terminator later, Lady, a.k.a. Martine. I like the opening where we had a kind of a, I think John was actually, you know, we, we were surprised. Here's John shooting at people, and he's not hitting him in the usual kneecap spots. That's right. That was our first clue that this was something was amiss here because he wasn't missing. <laughs> No, 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 no. He wasn't intentionally hobbling his guy so they have to hit the wheelchair. No, he's he's chest shots, you know, the whole bit. But then he gets kneecapped. Yeah, yeah. I love the sloppy. irony. Very good writers. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. 
That was pretty sloppy, though. A guy like him should not have made the mistake to leave the uh, the staircase open like that. Well, it does show that she does think outside the box. And mm-hmm. I guess it was the first clue to us that she's not just your average uh, academy recruit. She has some experience. And, in fact, we find out later she already is a cop. Yep. She has already been through that rodeo. We also got a reappearance of the shrink this week. Yeah, uh, she. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just love you know she's trying to work her way into getting him to talk about things. You know, look, you've got this superhero complex, mm-hmm. and then, well, then he's you know he winds up acting the superhero right in front of her. You know, she's got the uh, you know the glass shattering everywhere, and uh, he's shooting. Uh, you know, the, the guy's driving by, and it's like. Well, it's not a complex if it's real. <laughs> That's true. Now, is she hanging around him because she's trying to help him? Is she hanging around him because she's swooning for him? I I definitely think she was swooning for him after he saved her from the breaking glass and the flying bullets. What do you think? What's her intention I, here? I, I didn't I didn't really catch that. My thought was that she has a, a the mindset that oh I've seen this before yes he fits into these labels these categories and that sort of thing and I understand and whoa who's shooting at me you know so <laughs> I just think it was a you know an out of the box experience for her too mm-hmm. you know this mm-hmm. guy is not your typical you know he's he's not your typical uh, policeman anyway he's lying about his his background so you you add that to the mix and you add to the mix the machine giving him you know the numbers and he's i think at one point she asked uh, you know does does you have impeccable timing or does this trouble follow you around no there's a third option he's following the trouble you know Mm -hmm. and so again that's that's outside of her experience generally and so all of that comes together i think i think she was just generally or 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 honestly shocked at like what's going on here okay well that's a possibility. That's a real possibility, actually. But for me, I kind of got the idea that she might be developing a thing for him. And especially if she clears up the thing with internal affairs and maybe he's no longer a patient of hers, then there's not the conflict of interest. And so who who knows? That's all I'm saying. Can only help with his cover. Well, if there is a cover after next week. Oh man, alive! Yeah, <laughs> I don't this, know that there will be. I I like the I, the way they have been showing this. Uh-huh. In that other people have kind of been no noticing, you know, that you're not quite what you say you are. You aren't. Uh, Silva this week, you know, mentioned that. Oh, you have, look like you have combat, you know, military background. Oh, I my uh, instructor must have been was 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 military. Maybe I picked up some of his stuff. But you know, it's kind of crumbling a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, last week or last episode, uh, was it last episode? It wasn't last episode with pretenders. Um, uh, Walter Dang, you know, he kind of, he kind of saw something different there too. And if they can see it, then, you know, the thought is, well, cer- certainly Samaritans should be able to figure it out. And yeah, like at the end, maybe it did. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's absolutely right. And when we saw the conversation between Martine and Greer, you know, they talked about that they would get comfortable in these these covers that they have, and in that comfort would be, would develop weakness. And Finch has done a really good job of trying to stay on all of them. Don't let your guard down. Don't step out of bounds because that's what will expose you. But 
they've all found that they can't always stay within the shadows. They can't always stay within the boundaries. But at the same time, they have, I think, I think all of them to some degree have gotten a little bit more comfortable than they should have. And they've not been as vigilant as they should have. And they're, it looks like, well, I mean, I don't know any other conclusion with Martine staring down Shaw there at the end. It looks like the gig is up, but we'll, we'll wait and see how it plays out next week. The only person I can see uh, getting around this is Root, who has the machine setting her up for different, uh, different identities all the time. So mm-hmm. she may be the saving grace of this whole – she may you know, be able to bring it all back together. Who knows? Yeah, and I did love that conversation too where they, they Greer and, and Martine say, look – we need to go to old-fashioned human intelligence here. The machine has spotted the team who knows how many times and said, irrelevant, 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 because it's a machine. It only knows what it is told. That's not quite the truth, truth this machine. But human intelligence is, is not does not work the same way, and you can't fool. You know, if they see you like she did, she knew. She knew. She didn't go, irrelevant. She said, relevant you know so it, it it was a nice dig or not a dig it was just a, a nice example of the difference between the, the two intelligences here and how they operate and the thing was too is that she texted martine texted shaw from romeo's phone and that connection you know made the uh, gave her the uh oh that's you know she sees who's looking at the uh the she's in this area somewhere mm-hmm. who's looking down at their phone right now and getting a text from you know from this guy so that's something perhaps that samaritan couldn't do i really couldn't go out there and you know i guess it could have sent a text you know it's tr- created emails right inside people's inboxes so it could have done that i suppose but the idea that yeah but like you said there's the blind spot that has been pre-programmed into it by root and so this was really the only way to get around that is to have somebody outside the machine, outside of Samaritan, make that connection. Yeah, yeah, really cool stuff. All right, well, we kind of skipped ahead there because of me. My, my apologies for that. Um, let's let's swing it back around, I guess, to some of the things that was going on with the main POI storyline. We have uh, some great scenes there between uh, Maybelline, aka <laughs> Shaw, and uh, as uh, Sammy Snorer, aka Fusco. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to go with a nickname for him. He he, he tweeted uh, during that time. He says, "I ought to get an Emmy for my snoring." <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that, Chapman. That was a good snoring, but I don't know if it's Emmy worthy or not. Hey, by the no, way, I, I don't. Did do we it. mention last week that it had surfaced over on our Facebook page that Sarah Shahi used to be a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader? Well, actually, the person who posted it first said Shaw had been a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader, mm-hmm. and I said I'd be worried about the other team if Shaw was the <laughs> was actually the cheerleader. Yeah. yeah, I I thought it was photoshopped. I looked it up. Sure enough, according to Wikipedia, which is the source of all things true, absolutely, she spent one year as a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. So now you know. So they they have her as a. As a uh, makeup counter girl here, uh, and they could have maybe put her as a cheerleader as our undercover gig. I don't know, but I did like the uh, the line of of conversation that came up here with with makeup, and then it turned around at the end of the episode again when Martine does find her that conversation that she was having with the lady at the magazine uh, counter. 
or magazine uh, makeup counter, excuse me, uh, made for some funny stuff. Yes, you want a little discount? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, Fusco and uh, Shaw, Miss Maybelline are casing Silva, who's casing her classmates, who's, you know, and, and I think you made a good point. This is another good case of, is she the victim or is she the perpetrator? Sometimes it seems like they have, you know, stretched that a little thin uh, and, and, and made it look as though there are some like, of course this is the victim, you mm-hmm. know. But, no, they made a good, uh, a good shot at, uh, at making us guess, making the viewers as well guess about what's going on, not just the characters. Yeah, I mean, last week it, when we thought he was the perp until... Um, or the victim rather, until we saw him jump into a, a car of of people that then robbed a jewelry store. So then we thought he was the perp, and then you know even then later on in the episode it, it turned around again. So it's nice to, that they can still do that, and it certainly harkens back to season one stuff. But it it makes it fun to play along. Uh, even now we we can't really figure out at all times who's the good guy and who's the bad guy. Are we rooting for him or against him? And that's always a fun game to play. And we find out that Minnie slash Dominic, uh, the Brotherhood and all of them, are trying to kill Silva because she is going to expose some of their stuff. And I, I, I had it's it screwed me up for a second. I'm thinking, well, that's Minnie. And then as they go along and go along and and see the conversation, hear what's going on, she uh, Shaw realizes that that's Dominic, and that she had let him go uh, back when they first met. And I was like, well, we knew that Minnie was Dominic, and then I realized. Oh, the characters didn't know that yet. It's been a few episodes, and we've known something they didn't for, like I said, two, three weeks now. So that kind of screwed me up a little bit. But uh, oh, okay, that, that's that's uh, that, that's good that they're keeping that, uh, keeping track of that. They're not giving the they're not giving the characters, you know, omnipotence and omniscience that they can uh, they know everything that's going on. Yeah, they just got it figured out this week. And so, in case you were wondering, that's the deal. Yeah, you know, I've talked, I talk most weeks about the blog that is written over at IGN for Person of Interest. And honestly, last week I forgot to go over there and read it. And I think the week before that, I forgot to go over there and read it. But I, I did read it today and I'm trying to find it now and pull it up. But he said a couple of things this week that I definitely disagreed with. And, and one of them was that he was the, the viewers did know that Dominic and Minnie were the same person and the POI team did not know. And so he felt like there wasn't any, there was no, it wasn't thrilling that, uh, that the, the way that it was revealed this week, there was no reveal because the audience was three steps ahead of the viewer or excuse me, the audience was three steps ahead of the Character. team machine that there was no payoff here for us. But, you know, and I, I, while I see his point of view, my point of view was it was fun to see that moment when Shaw realized she had Dominic in her grasp. He was handcuffed to a pipe and she <laughs> let him go. To me, there was a lot of payoff in the, the way that her face, just her expression, and then the way she, she acted where she was wanting to go shoot up the place, even though there were kids in the place, because she wanted to get. She wanted him back in her custody, and so I. For me, there was a lot of payoff there. What about you? It's not always the about the audience's reaction. Sometimes it's about the character's reaction, and they played that very well. Yeah, I, I like that. That the, she's when the the realization comes across her face. You know, that was that was rich. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it was. It was great. I, while we're talking about her facial expressions, when she locks eyes with Martine there at, at the in, inside Bloomingdale's at the end of the episode, again, I thought Sarah's facial expression was perfect. It was just almost, you could almost see the blood draining out of her face. And so I, I thought Sarah did a great job in both of those scenes this week. Uh, yeah, she's, uh, she's got a good, um, you know, it, it's, it's tough, I would imagine, trying to act the part where her character does not have the emotional range because of her, you know, the thing we have, we found out about her, I believe, last season where she has some issues with actually expressing emotions. And we've seen, you know, smirks here and smiles and uh, enjoying the attention of last week's POI. But still, that's, you know, that's there. And then she does get situations like, and this is not so much emotion as it is here, sheer terror, you know, but the, that's a, that was a, that was a good, uh, a good play on her part. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Dominic has stolen something by using this guy within the police academy, something that it, he refers to as the keys of the castle. Now, I think this is a metaphor, um, and here's the way I interpreted it. Uh, it seemed pretty straightforward to me, but I think it's worth discussing. You know, the castle being where the the residence of the king, and the, if you get keys to the castle, it's something that's going to allow you to maybe run a coup and take over the castle and become the new king. And he used the uh, metaphor a couple of times about Elias having uh, a pride of lions around him, or he's the lion. So... The Lion King. Yeah, exactly. So he feels like this information that he has gathered is going to be what he needs to to take down Elias. As, and, and with Elias being the POI for next week, it just doesn't seem like there's anything else, any other way to interpret that. But I, but I want to make sure I was reading it the way that you were. Was there anything else that he was looking to, any other objective maybe that I'm missing with getting this information on the flash drive? Or is that it? Yeah, the flash drive, I think, was the brute force program that was just getting to the data and then would allow, uh, the, the, I forget the name of the fellow who was kind of the, uh, kind of the brotherhood's, uh, uh, man on the inside to go in there and, and pull that out. So, but that was the key. Then he was able to get the actual information. Like you said, once you've, once you've gotten into the castle, you have a run of the place. So he got, got the files that he needed to, Help take down Elias. No clue as to what it means, how it would take him down, that sort of thing. But I'm sure that uh, we'll find out next week if uh, Elias is indeed the POI, as we've been led to believe. Yeah, have we ever had the POI a week ahead of time before? I don't think so. And that makes this a, it gives you the impression of this being more of a part one to next week's part two. Yeah, it really does. The only other thing, time I can maybe, and I don't remember how they laid it out, but you remember when they were going to take down HR and like the whole HR group was filling up the, the you know, the, I was going to say the marker board, but you know, the clear board that they had back in the library. But even then, I want to think that that was something that was revealed at the beginning of an episode, but it carried over to another episode. Not that it was revealed at the end uh, to set up the next, but I think we're kind of splitting hairs a little bit, but it's definitely no, I think you're significant. Right. I, think I think it was all done at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was the one, yeah, when they had like six or seven numbers, mm-hmm. and I think that was part of Elias's group and the same sort of thing, but that didn't happen until the beginning of the next episode. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like what we got with Dominic in this episode. We, we get to see him a little bit more 
you know, do we get to see the way that he rules his pride, if you will, with with his his people? He's taking over all the other gangs, which we we knew that to be the case. We had heard that to be the case. Now we get to see him interacting and some of those alliances. You know, if if you're part of this one gang over here, and now you your your guy says that you are answering to Dominic, how is that? Are all the other parties involved with that gang going to fall in line? Or is there, there going to be a power struggle? And we got a little bit of that here, particularly at the very, very end, where uh, I, I can't think of the name of the the gang. It started with a T, right? Was it the, I, yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. I didn't write it down. Uh, but one of his guys fell in line with Dominique, where he was trying to put up some resistance, and his own guy put him down. I mean, that was really interesting to see Dominique kind of work that situation and work those people. That's uh, It was making a play for the number two, would you rather be the number one in my group or number two in his? Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, that's a that's a I don't know if it's classic, but I know it's it's probably a uh, a good ploy for somebody who's trying to come in and make their influence uh, known and make it uh, stronger. Appeal to somebody's lieutenant to take out the big guy, and then you have now whoever's in charge loyal to you. So yeah, that seemed to be. Uh, when he starts, when he started talking to the number two about that, then it almost seemed like a foregone conclusion that uh, the leader is not long for this world. <laughs> That's exactly right, and it's it's uh, it's very well played on his part. He is a smart dude. If if we learn nothing from this episode, it's that because he's already demonstrated himself to be a smart dude. He knows that this is more of a battle of wits than a battle of of might. Um, but both are going to be required if he's going to take over the city like he aspires to do. But we definitely saw that he is very much a chess player, which is going to put him, it's going to make him a very real competitor for Elias. And I'm very interested to see how this is going to play out next week. I enjoyed the predicament they put Silva in. I didn't enjoy it. When I say I enjoy it as a story element, but right, right. Um, where the, I believe it was the Brotherhood that was, that killed her her handler and the way they had set it up was that he was the only guy who knew she really was a cop and so there was no back channel way of of coming at her her real identity and that sort of thing and the only place that she can turn now is team machine and they so they worked that out uh, very nicely and we she has to now really take them into her trust or you know allow them have her trust them uh, implicitly mm-hmm. and that you know that that helped two things number one it uh, allowed her to it, it gave her the the motivation to you know do exactly as they say that sort of thing you know you've got uh someone who has already had a an example that has been shown to us that she's you know outside the box breaking the rules or not not really breaking the rules but stretching the rules beyond what you were expecting but that this kind of keeps her in line number one but number two it allows her to see more of team machine in action and get a little more uh, of this of the feel for who they are, and, and she's not aware that there's a whole team of uh, or how big the team is, that sort of thing. But she is aware of something's going on. Something's interesting. And once again, I think this is kind of a dropping a hint to the viewer to say the the, the front that they've put up, the team machine has put up, is starting to crumble. There's a little, you know, a few little places here where some daylight's coming through. Mm-hmm. So it is not beyond the realm of possibility. It's not going to take us by surprise if the wall does start crumbling down. 
Well, and we also heard that mentioned a little bit by Dominic when he was referring to Elias. He said, it seems like this man has got someone watching over him. (laughs) <laughs> or he's got a team of something. We know, of course, that's Team Machine, and now they are looking out for him as his number is up. But, you know, we've talked all season about will the storyline with Elias and Dominic and the storyline of Samaritan versus the Machine, are these two storylines going to converge? Yes, there are some parallels that we have drawn. Barb's done a really good job of, of uh, calling in with some feedback and ideas that show how these two storylines parallel each other. But it looks like they are really going to converge next week in a, in, a, in a lot of ways. Team Machine's cover is definitely going to come into, into exposure. Because of the Elias-Dominic uh, fight mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, yeah. That, that, That's yeah. kind of been the... Because they have been dealing with Elias and Dominic, they have been exposing their their cover a little by little and, uh, and then allowing the second story, you know, Machine versus Samaritan, to be... Uh, to, to to take advantage of that. Yeah, yeah. So one of our favorite characters in this series is Bear de Hound. What do you think of his role this week? As grenade carrier, I think he did a great job. <laughs> yeah, by the way, Barb has a fantastic line about the grenade carrier. I can't wait to play her oh. feedback in just a little bit. I haven't heard that. I'll be listening. Yeah. But yeah, it was great that they got him involved, and I, I it was. A, <laughs> it's kind of one of these. It's another one of these superhero things, you know. He has a, you know, you get a, a superhero in a comic book. All of a sudden, he has a a new uh, a power that you didn't know about before. Something that I remember watching the Six Million Dollar Man back in the day. And one time, he's stuck in one place, and he has to find some radiation. So he's moving his hand along this, and somebody asks him. What, you got a Geiger counter in there? Yeah, they they put it in there just in case I might need it someday. But you've never heard about this until just when he needs it. Well, now we've got Bear, who's scuba trained. You know, he's he's certified. Thank you. That's right. He's, he's not Scooby. He, he, <laughs> thank that's, you. That's different. That's different. Oh, there, there, we go, there we go. There it is. Uh, I, although, I guess we could start calling Reese Shaggy and Bear Scooby. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. No, no, no. We can call Fusco Shaggy. There you go. Because <laughs> he, there was one time when he showed up, when he, you know, he and Bear, and I was like, Fusco and the Bear, man, this is like BJ and the Bear from the eighties. We'll just have this is me, the spinoff series, and mm-hmm. wisecracking uh, police guy, and you know, the dog that you have to speak d- Dutch to, and who does scuba, you know, right? Whatever. Yeah. Why not? Although in that show, Bear was a monkey; he was a chimpanzee. Well, so that's fine. You know, we're eight. updating it for the 21st century. Yeah. Just so I can clarify, I understand monkeys and apes are different. Chimpanzees are apes, not monkeys, but you get the drift. Do you know the Thank difference between an ape up. and a monkey? Six, Three letters, you know. <laughs> no, monkeys have tails. Apes do not. Ah. There you go. That's and there's your, there's your educational moment of the day. That's right. Da, 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 da. And we don't have the schoolhouse rock. <laughs> all right where are we at man i've totally lost my i don't know here. i do remember dominic at near the end we've it's again it's the last five ten minutes of the show where a lot of things happen and you really can't blink you really can't just turn oh okay they found the guy they get the bad guy boom dominic really has it in for whom he believes is riley and he's he knows you know who it is and he's seen more of team machine than uh than a number of his group have he's got more uh, hands-on experience with it so he's uh, he was the quiet kid 
as you were noting in the beginning, the quiet kid in the back in the room. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, I think he's about to teach. He's about to get to the front of the class and say, look, you know, I'm, I'm taking charge now. And he has got Reese in his sights completely separate from Samaritan having Shaw in its sights. So, you know, we're getting the two front war now, the machine war versus the, uh, and the, uh, king of the hill of the, of the city war going on. And Dominic really looks like he, I, I have a, I, I wouldn't be surprised next week that the, uh, Martin versus Shaw issue is about, it is not the whole story. The other story may be Dominic versus Reese directly as well. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have like a Venn diagram, just like, uh, our, our boy Dominic put up on the board this week. We have Shaw and, Mon, uh, uh, Martin over here. We have uh, the man in the suit, a.k.a. Reese, uh, over here versus Dominique. And those two are going to converge, and it is going to be awesome stuff, I think. Awesome stuff. <laughs> I think. <laughs> well, we'll see, yeah. Now, speaking of this, you know, the Samaritan storyline, you know, it was kind of a separate thing, but like you said, it, it's really kind of mixing into to everything. Early on, we have Martine and Greer talking about, like you said, the relationships. It's all about the relationships. We can leverage all those. They mm-hmm. get, uh, they get, uh, lazy. They get, uh, you know, um, they have, uh, they don't keep those identities ironclad and they make relationships. They still have relationships as their real identification IDs, you know. So all of those can be leveraged and that's exactly what happens. So we get, Martine going to Rikers Island, finding Katya, and trying to find out who it was that suggested her. Because it's all, we, we hear about the fact that this is all based on, you know, word of mouth. And, you know, who is, uh, uh, you know, references and things like that. So, she talked about she got to Romeo. So, Martine, you know, goes back and finds Romeo in the bar he's now, or maybe that's, that's, that's always, that's his day job, uh, in, at the bar that he's running and she goes all Dick Cheney on him. That was I a great line, line, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love the writers. That was hilarious. Oh man, yes, yeah. For, for for those of you who uh, read the news, just just you know, Google Dick Cheney and you shotgun. Know, shotgun. That You'll would find do it. it. Yeah. Yes. Never go hunting with Dick Cheney. <laughs> no, or at least not in front of him. That's right. That's right. That was so, some pretty awesome gun work that she did there, though, where she, uh, where Elvis snuck up behind her and, uh, she Elvis. took his, yeah, she took his gun, which he had loaded by that time conveniently. It was awesome. I loved watching her, uh, fire off some rounds and take, well, I, and, and the fake out, you know, the, the, the shotgun he forgot to load. He's like, what? And while he's looking, you know, but boom, you know, yeah. and then she uses it on him. There you are. Yeah. Oh, sure enough. It's loaded. Now you just said something there. So was it, is that what she did? Did she make him doubt that he had loaded the gun so that he would be looking to see if the gun was loaded, therefore couldn't shoot the gun, and that gave her time to get Romeo? Is that what it I, was? I think that I think that's what it was. I think you must be right because I never heard him load the gun, but I thought, well, I just you know, there's no necess- need to, to play the sound effect. I bet you're right. That makes more sense than anything. I thought. I was trying to think. Did Samaritan tell her? No, I, I have a feeling that this is a. It's you know, a, a fake out, a head fake to make, mm-hmm. to give him some time when he's looking and he's, he can't shoot. So yes. she takes Romeo, boom, come around and thank you very much. That's some experience right there. That's right. 
So we end, yeah, finally, we, and we've hit it a couple of times here. We end with Shaw locking eyes with the Terminatorette. To terminate us. Okay, Martine. <clears throat> and uh, that, like you said, was the a great final shot. And again, leading up, making it so much a part one to next week's part two. Yeah. So good. The way the two stories ended with with Team Machine getting the number for Elias and uh, Finch kind of relaying the importance of what they of what Dominic was able to get by getting that information. He learned in 48 hours what it took the police force what months or years to obtain. Yeah. That was all all of those things were really really important and and just gripping. And then the final scene there with Shaw being revealed to La Terminator was equally um, edge of my seat stuff. And then as Lost used to do, you know, no, (laughs) I can't wait another week. (laughs) It was good. Uh, Gonna have to happen. Yeah. And, and and the other, the thing that the the gentleman, uh, Matt Fowler over at IGN said was the 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 final scenes there with uh, that had to do with Elias and Shaw being discovered were more of a setup for next week. So he really didn't give that any a whole lot of weight when scoring out this week's episode. He gave this episode an eight, uh, but I don't think you can separate those. I don't think you can take out the last cliffhanger moments of an episode and say I'm not going to attribute it to this episode because it sets up the next episode for me. I. It, I have to score it in this episode. It, it, yes, it is setting up the next episode, but still, it was part of this episode that that made me really, really like this show. So I the, the last five minutes count, you know, yeah, Ed, because they are they are a. We were just talking earlier about whether uh, a reveal to the audience, you know, that gives you the wow factor, is as much of a deal as a reveal to the characters that that's something that they've just figured out. Well, mm-hmm. the same sort of thing applies here. This is kind of a reveal to the audience to saying, "Hey, look what's going on. It's about to and then continued next week." Yeah, you? exactly. You can't you can't uh just take out the last 5 minutes of the episode any more than you could the first 5 minutes of an episode. Yeah. Uh, or the middle 5 minutes. I mean, it's all part of the episode, so. And but it was based on the emotional high of that moment that I gave it a 10 and I usually wait till my second watch to score because I don't like to base it on either the immediate disappointment or the immediate gratification that, that is inherent with just having watched the episode for the first time. Um, but I was so excited. I'm like, I don't care. I'm giving it a 10. And then I thought, <laughs> thought better of it a little bit later. <laughs> uh, already. Yes. That was a, as a stem winder of an episode. I have a feeling next week we're winding more stems. Yeah. Yeah, although I will be sad if we don't get any POI after next week for, you know, a full month or six weeks, which might be the case. If it's six weeks, it's still still shorter than some uh, TV shows are taking a break for. Wow. Yeah, well, we used to do Revolution. We did two seasons of Revolution, both seasons of Revolution, and they took big breaks the first year because I think the Olympics were on. Yes. Then they took like four months off. It was a longer break than... Like the summer break is between seasons. It was a longer break mid-season. It was crazy long. 
Alrighty. Well, we have some we have some surveillance in the news for you. This came from our listener Barb Tangier fourteen. She's taking over the podcast. She is. Oh man, alive. Well, you know, if you've got some ideas, some news stories you want to toss at us, tweet them to us. Put them on the Facebook page, and we will toss them on here. Exactly. Happily. But this is this is from the Wall Street Journal. It says Americans' cell phones targeted in secret U.S. spy program. Okay, if it's in the Wall Street Journal, is it really secret? But anyway, Dateline, Washington. The Justice Department is scooping up data from thousands of mobile phones through devices deployed on airplanes that mimic cell phone towers, a high-tech hunt for criminal suspects that is snagging a large number of innocent Americans, according to people familiar with the operations. The U.S. Marshal Service program, which began, which became functional around 2007, so it's been seven years now, operates Cessna aircraft from at least five metropolitan area airports with flying range covering most of the U.S. population. And planes are equipped with a device which mimics a cell tower of other large telecommunication firms and tricks cell phones into reporting their unique registration information. Uh, elsewhere in this article, it says it doesn't matter if you encrypt your inf- your uh, your data transmission, stuff like that. Uh, latest iPhones can do that. It doesn't matter. that They still get it. People with knowledge of the program wouldn't discuss the frequency of the flights or the duration, but they said they take place on a regular basis, which who knows what that means. A Justice Department official would neither confirm nor deny the existence of such a program. The official said discussion of such matters would allow criminal suspects or foreign powers to determine U.S. surveillance capabilities. So they're keeping hush-hush about the whole thing. But the idea here is they are using that, as they say, with the proper you know, allowances for, you know, going to a judge and getting a warrant and such and such. They are getting that information and then checking to see if it's a, you know, using, using it as a database. I think we talked about this a while back where you, the phone companies were gathering all this metadata and it, just having a database, but not looking at it until we say, okay, here's a phone number of a terrorist. Let's see who he's called. And then you have a database to look through. Mm-hmm. That's basically the same sort of thing here, except it's more of a on, you know, a, a live sort of thing. Where are they right now if we need to find them? We're looking for so-and-so. This is their phone number. Can we can we see them anywhere? Now, it's grabbing all the stuff up, and depending on your your, per, your penchant for conspiracy theories or, or trust of the government, um, that could all be being saved or or not. But the, the idea there is that, that what they're saying is, uh, in fact, there's a line here. They say the device determines which phones belong to such suspects and, quote-unquote, let's go of the non-suspect phones. Or does it? Or does it? Yeah, <laughs> so that's all. Anyway, and it's so. It's so that's another little thing. It's everybody's watching for you. I wonder if Samaritan can pick up on those, but right now we're just doing video feeds. Well, that <laughs> explains the odd palm tree wannabe, but it was actually a cell, a, a cell phone tower that I saw while I was in Hawaii. Oh, and, I, and you know there have been uh, reports uh, some people have said about um, you know, fake cell phone towers that are there, you know, that, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Maybe it's not even that. Maybe it's like a, a Cessna flying overhead. Maybe you should just, yeah. you know, hang up when you see those planes flying overhead in the black helicopters. Yep, that's interesting stuff for sure. Thank you, Barb, for sending that over to us. Well, hey, speaking of Barb, we should uh, segue into some listener feedback and play Barb's audio. All right, let's speak of Barb. All right, here she is. Hi, Daryl and Doug. This is Barb, a.k.a. Tanger14, calling in with feedback about this week's POI epi, Point of Origin. I'll give this epi eight sample eyeliner pencils. 
The Seppi had our number of the week and was a monster setup for the mid-season showdown. Bring it on. I thought that there were a number of interesting parallels given to us. First, Samaritan was trying to influence kids last week via computers. Dominic was influencing kids this week via hands-on after-school programs. Samaritan unsuccessfully was looking through files to find Shaw and turning to Martine to do it via relationships. Dominic successfully using his mole to look through files at the academy to find Elias. Samaritan was desperately trying to find Shaw through deleted files. But Samaritan on the flip side was ignoring outage areas that protected Dominic. The ruthlessness of Team Samaritan in killing anyone who is a threat and the ruthlessness of Dominic in killing his threats as well. Very interesting indeed. I also thought that it was interesting that John was again referred to as a superhero. I suspect that in the next two or three episodes that will not be the case and he will lose someone. Whether it will be Elias, Shaw, or someone else, I think that he will feel that he has failed again. How he will handle the loss this time versus when he lost Carter is going to be something to watch. I also wonder what happens if Dominic defeats Elias. How will the Samaritan machine view Dominic? Will it keep him or will it now view him as a threat and then ultimately eliminate him? Might beat the machine for this week. The Samaritan machine was relentless. It wouldn't give up on identifying Shaw. It was obsessive. Could that lead to its ultimate demise? Could our team throw in a do loop and have the Samaritan machine search for something that it can't find, such as Dominic's off-the-grid network, so that it crashes itself? Or is the Samaritan machine just too big and too powerful to do that? That's it for this week. This is Barb signing out and looking for one of those new fashion statement grenade necklaces for Christmas. <laughs> And there it is. All righty. Yeah, that will make a statement. Everybody everybody will be backing off is what they'll be doing, yes. <laughs> Two things. I liked the I- idea of uh, that the superhero is now going to be possibly, you know, f- get his kryptonite found, you know, and that sort of thing, and, and, and not, not be, uh, you know, fail in some manner, and how that will affect him, that sort of thing. I thought that was, that was a very good... Uh, uh, a very good, uh, like you said, it's been mentioned a couple of times, so they're kind of poking that at us. Poke, poke, poke. Mm-hmm. So there's that, and then I forgot the other one. Oh my goodness, you know, I talk so much, and then I don't remember what I was going to talk about. I'm lost. I'm lost. Now that was a great, that was great feedback. Um, and I will try to remember what it was as we move along. All right, chime in if you do. All righty, Todd Schwartzberg said something on the Facebook page I wanted to highlight. He said, was that Anna Lucia from Lost playing Silva? Or maybe a younger sister, because she was a dead ringer. So, I jumped on that and went to look, and the the person who played Danny Silva, or Donnie, D-A-N-I, Danny Silva, was Adria Arjona. And Anna Lucia from Lost was Michelle Rodriguez. I, so I did, Adria Arjona, Michelle Rodriguez, and Google, show me something. First thing it shows me is an Entertainment Weekly community contributor article. And in that, he says near the end, Silva, well played by Arjana, who could be Michelle Rodriguez's kid sister, there you are, is also the second character this season, followed by Walter from Pretenders, to know the team's reputation. It's a neat little recurrence that shows their efforts don't go unnoticed. So yeah, you weren't the only one who thought that, but I don't think it was. I looked at IMDb and... 
Michelle Rodriguez had a very long bio. Adria Arjana had a very, almost a non-existent one. I would think if there was a connection, uh, I did see Michelle Rodriguez had two stepsisters. They didn't name them, but yeah, could this be, I don't know, because last names, you know, the last names are different. Stepsister, yeah, it could be, but, uh, but I would have thought that it would have mentioned that on Adria's, um, bio. So yeah. I didn't see that. But very interesting catch there, Todd. Well, Somebody I'll, else saw it too. I'll be honest, Todd, I, well, the first time I watched the episode, I did, I, and I saw your, your post before I watched the second time, I thought, what? I mean, I knew that it wasn't Michelle, but I didn't see it at all. But when I rewatched the episode today, yeah, there was definitely some favoring there. I could definitely see where someone might think that they were related or, or in some way. So, yeah, good observation, I say. And Doc H gave us something. What did he say? He says that person of interest is turning officially into the new lost. <laughs> <laughs> he says the plot is getting so convoluted that only the most diehard of fans, also known as us, can That's continue us. to follow along intelligently and not just fall into case of the week mode like stragglers at the back of our once sizable pack. Well, and I hadn't read this. This is kind of what I was talking about earlier. Yes, um, yes. The, the lower yeah, uh, ratings. Yeah. Uh, he says, like Lost, person of interest is appointment TV, a late evening reservation for a fancy sit-down meal that is decidedly not a quick drive through at a local choke and puke. <laughs> nice. He says, I am not opposed to convoluted myth arc, particularly in a show that I am extremely fond of. However, I fear the strays and attention span week will start falling out of our fan migration toward the series finale, which may foreshadow our entire nerd herd falling prey to the declining ratings predators at the network before we get to our Xanadu. Uh, I'm not just suggesting dumbing it down by any means. Maybe only that they attack just three myth arcs a week as opposed to the four broad plot subtexts that are currently in the blender. And please, please, please stop throwing Josh Carter references at us. She's gone. Sidebar, Lost was awesome and Person of Interest really sent a chill of lost deja vu down my spine this week. Case in point, when Fusco called Shaw Maybelline, what a lost Sawyerism, deploying cutesy nicknames to snark his way to TV immortality. Did anyone else get that vibe? Ah, who cares? Me likey. Cheers, Doc H. And in case you don't know, Xanadu is an idealized place of great or idyllic magnificence and beauty. Also a movie starring Olivia Newton-John and the late Gene Kelly, featuring the music of the Electric Light Orchestra, my favorite band. Sadly, I think that is the Xanadu I thought of when he first used the word. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but I love the music. The movie was hokey. Hokey, hokey, hokey. Yeah, it was. I love the music because I like it. But it's full of earworm stuff. I mean, you can't get it out of your head once you Mm -hmm. hear it. Mm Mm-hmm. So, was, it, it, I like the music. It couldn't stand the plot. But anyway, you know, it was Doc, very 80s. Oh, how 80s it was. Yeah. Well, Doc is not wrong for sure, because as, as we said, the, the show is getting more complicated. I think when you have a show by Bad Robot and with the cr- creative mind of a Nolan brother behind it, then 
complex storylines are to be expected. And while they kept it pretty simple for a season and a half, and they've they've consistently getting it more complex since then. Uh, I don't disagree with Doc, though, that it wouldn't hurt to tone it down just maybe a hair because I see the numbers uh, dwindling, and there's a part of me that says we could still have myth arcs that are really compelling and really fun to watch and not quite as complex and maybe retain a little bit of the audience and therefore retain the show a little bit longer. You know what I mean? That's kind of where I'm coming from. Yeah. But you know, it's a, it's a, it's a question of how, how deep do you want this storytelling to go versus the episode storytelling? You know, Mm -hmm. how far do you want the, how, if you don't have it really big, you know, you may lose some folks. It's like, yeah, it's really episodic. It's got the, uh, got occasional backstory, but not a whole lot, you know, and so, I, you know, the, yeah, the folks are like lost. And I think part of the, part of the lost effect is like now everybody wants to be the next lost, you know? And so they have this massive backstory and, you know, and they have this really big, th- but again, depending on how you do it, if you have a very arc heavy show, you know, in general, then you're going to lose people right at the beginning. You know, if they didn't see the first two episodes, they're not going to, you can't pick them up. Whereas person of interest in the first, season especially and pretty much in the second as well you could still you know like you said get in there you know at some point and not really be that far behind it would still tell bits and pieces of what happened in the past uh, for some of these characters and we needed to know that but but it's not a deal breaker for somebody coming in late in the in the game there so I think what they've done is good is they started so and and this is bugs some people they started slow they started oh it's episodic oh I like this you know and then they start getting more myth heavy as they get near you know I guess the end of this series whenever that might be and some and that turns off some people I don't want to see that I liked the way it was at the beginning you know okay so you can't please everybody all the time so that's a, that's what you wind up with it's a it's a a difficult uh uh set of balls to juggle yeah, it is. It definitely is. And I still love what they've done with the show. Like Doc said, we're the fanboys. We're the ones that are going to watch it no matter what. But Absolutely. Not sure how many of us there needs to be given the demographical layout of CBS to keep mm. this show in the air. If this show was on Fox getting these numbers, we'd be dancing in circles and, and you know, giving each other high fives. But because of the demographical layout of CBS, these numbers aren't what we would need them to be. But I, I'm not saying I think the show's going to get canceled. I think it does get a season five, but I would still like to see the numbers higher. Yeah, yeah. Comparatively with the the shows around it, I think it's doing just great. Yep, yep. All right, well, how can folks get in touch with us for their thoughts on next week's episode? They can't. Oh, oh no, well, no, it was one of two ways. <laughs> now, normally we record this Thursday night at 8 o'clock. For those of you who watch the Facebook page, we recorded this a little earlier because I've got something i got to do this evening. But usually by Thursday at 6 p.m. is a good time to get your stuff in. If your thoughts in, your ideas and beat the machine suggestions, the phone number, if you like to use that, is 304-837-2278. You can jump over to goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback. And from there, you can type in something. You can create your own audio file and upload it or... On that page, you can click a little speak pipe widget, and it'll just turn on your computer's microphone, and you can just start recording right there. You don't have to have any fancy-schmancy setup. It's great. If you want to tweet us, there's three places you can tweet us. 
The, the standard Twitter account for us is POI Podcast GSM. And he is Mar Darrell, M-A-R-D-A-R-R-E-L-L, and I am Doug Payton, D-O-U-G-P-A-Y-T-O-N. And of course, as we've mentioned, a couple of folks have talked about talked to us on Facebook, and you can look for Person of Interest Podcast on Facebook. And that will uh, catch you there. And then, of course, Golden Spiral Media has its own Facebook page with everything. So mm-hmm. every time something has been posted and talked about, it's there, so you don't want to miss that either. That's right. Now, the deadline for feedback next week is going to be a little bit different because next week is Thanksgiving week, so Doug and I won't be recording as much as I love you, Doug. I hope to be chewing on a turkey leg at 7 p.m., uh, well, Central, 8 o'clock Eastern for you, uh, which is when we would normally record on Thursdays. So I'm thankful for you, Daryl, but not that much. That's right? right. That's right. So we're going to record on Wednesday. I don't know what time yet. We haven't worked that out. It's going to be afternoon or early evening. So let's make the deadline for sending in feedback for next week, noon Eastern on Wednesday. It doesn't give you a whole lot of time. We recognize that, but it is a holiday week and our schedule is for everybody is going to be crunched up a little bit next week. So noon Eastern on Wednesday. Alrighty. Let me tell you something about this next week. Speaking of which, oh mm-hmm. my goodness. Now here's the thing. Here's what I was talking about earlier about show or episode titles. The episode that was from last season that was part of the three episode arc that ultimately ended in the death of Jocelyn Carter. Sorry, Doc Cage, I had to mention it just this once. Quit throwing it in our face. Come on, Doug. Um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> it was called The Devil You Know. I'm sorry, it was called The Devil's Share. That one was, okay? yes, yes. The Devil's Share, that last ep- last season. Next week's episode, the mid-season finale, is called The Devil You Know. I'm just wondering if there's if they're trying to draw a connection here. Huh. Here's what the here's what it says here. Reese and Finch are caught in a power struggle for control of the city's gangs when Elias is targeted by Dominic, the ambitious leader of the Brotherhood. Meanwhile, Root and Shaw disagree over how to handle a new threat from Samaritan. I don't like having read that because it's it's it talks about Shaw, you know, she's clearly well, you know, she's not going to be, you know, taken out in the first 5 minutes of the episode. But still, you know, something something could happen here. It's and like we said, it's obvious Samaritan now knows there's Shaw. Your cover is blown. So we'll see what happens. It's uh it's going to be a big a big deal. And I, you know, I'm thinking too. Like I said, there's the Martine uh, Shaw possibility. There is Shaw going to you know live through this, and possibly you know there's this uh, a POI. We've, we've got Elias maybe. Maybe we do take out Elias this time, eh, you know. So this could be, mm. this could be a because Elias could be considered the devil, you know. I think I don't think the devil, you know, has has a tie back to Elias, nor do I think it has a tie back into the episode which saw the death of Carter. I think what it is is CBS's way of helping us promote a Golden Spiral Media podcast for an NBC show called Constantine because our podcast is called The, the Devil, Devil You Know, you know ah. a Constantine podcast. So thanks, CBS. We appreciate that very much. I'm sure they were thinking about that. They, you know, they need to, they need to, you know, we're, we're their allies. They need to help us out here. That's right. They love us that much. It'll be written by Eric Mountain 
and directed by Richard J. Lewis. Yes, that's right, the same guy who directed this one, which, again, suggests that being part two of uh, this being part one, yes. Yeah, very astute observation, Doug. I had not, I hadn't read it, but I don't know that I, I would have put the thing together there. So very nice. Well, Doug, it's always a pleasure podcasting about person of interest, and I can't wait for next oh. week. It's going to be awesome. You know, I just realized as you were reading that description for next week that uh, I didn't mention earlier that there was no root in this episode. And in spite of that, I still gave it a yeah. nine, almost a 10. Wow. That, that almost never happens. Well, there's there's a first time for everything, Daryl. <laughs> it was that good. Next week should be good as well. We hope that you'll join us. And until then, I want to thank you for listening to this episode of Person of Interest Podcast. I am Daryl, and I'm heading out to load up my paintball gun. Mm, and I'm Doug saying if your number comes up, we hope there's a man in a suit or Miss Maybelline watching over you.